When you're talking about the supernatural, it's, it's difficult to, to explain what it is that we don't see, right? It's very difficult to, 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 to try and explain that. <clears throat> and so today, I want to uh, read some scripture. I think it's good to read scripture today. Uh, and I think uh, it, it, what you're going to see is uh, a conversation between Jesus and Peter. Jesus was the, the main disciple. He was the, 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 the top guy, the guy that Jesus decided to hand the church to when, uh, when he went up to heaven. So we're going to read from Matthew. If you want to read up on the screen or if you have it on your own phone or if you're really a Christian, you have your own Bible with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to read from verse 13 to 28. <clears throat> When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of those other prophets that we can't remember their names. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. He starts off by saying, Blessed are you, Simon, and now I'm going to call you Peter. He's given him a different name. And the word Peter is Petros, P-E-T-R-O-S, which means rock. And on this rock, which is Petra, P-E-T-R-A, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. <clears throat> I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and went, come here, come, on, come over here. And he began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to him and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Thanks be to God for his word. As we're looking at this scripture here, there's a, there's a context to this whole story that's maybe a background context that we don't really get when we're reading this. It says that it was, it was a, a day when they had arrived in a city called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi. Now, Jesus had been traveling around for about three years, and we know that he had a ministry for three and a half years, and at the end of three and a half years, he was nailed to a cross. 
And at the end of three years, he had, he had been teaching many things with his disciples, and he had, uh, he had done several things. He had achieved several things. The first thing he had done is he had actually uh, 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 healed the sick and raised the, the dead and, and done a miraculous things. The second thing he had done is he taught about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like that, is like this. And people had never heard such deep teaching before. And the third thing that he had done is he had actually taught his disciples how to operate in the kingdom of God as well. And when they went from city to city and region to region, they finally ended up in this little city called Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi was originally had a, a different name called Benias, but they changed its name because they, they, they wanted to show the union between the Roman Empire and the Jewish kingdom. And so they named part of it after Caesar, and they named part of it after uh, uh, one of the princes of King Her Herodus, and, uh, and his name was Philip. And so that's why they call it Caesarea Philippi. But what's fascinating with this area is that it's actually a little town that is right at the foot of a mountain. Of course, this is just a drawing of what they think it would have looked like back in those days. But in the foot of the mountain is this thing. This is actually called the Grotto of Pan or the, the Cave of Pan. But it's also known as the Gate of Hell. And Throughout history, they've always called it the gate of hell, or as Jesus called it, the gate of Hades. And if you look at this, this big grotto or this big cave, it's a huge gaping hole, and you can see some people there that kind of give you a, a kind of a, a perspective on how big this cave was. This is actually where the River Jordan comes out of that, that, that rock mouth right there. And the idea was when the pagans actually ruled the area, they called it the they called it the birthplace of Baal, B-A-A-L, and you probably know it, you've heard of that name, uh, the God of Baal in the Old Testament, and many of the Jews kept on switching over to, you know, following after Baal, and God would get upset with them. But it was also known as the birthplace of Pan, Pan, in fact, and this is why we, it, we had the grotto or the temple of Pan there, and Pan was considered a god that was like God over all the other gods, and, and in fact, they have little uh, carvings into the rock there that are little shrines to some of the other gods, but this was meant to be the birthplace of Pan, and Pan is where we get our word pandemonium. Pandemonium basically is made up of two words, Pan, the god Pan, and demonium comes from the word demoniac or demon. And whenever you talk about when something is pandemonium, pandemonium basically means that demons have been released to create such confusion in this area. Oh, it's just pandemonium right now. If something horrific happens on the news and people are running around all over the place, sometimes you'll hear the news reporter saying, it's pandemonium here. They're basically saying it's like demons have been released to cause confusion. Now, whether you believe this was a myth or whether you believe this is true, this is still the area that they call the gate of Hades. And you can imagine why Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to build my church upon you. And right over his shoulder, he could see the gate of Hades, which was that physical cave right there. You follow me so far? <clears throat> but the other thing that was going on at that time was that there was such a, 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 a kind of a movement and a ruckus that was happening in the Middle East to try and stir up revolution or rebellion against the Roman Empire. And there were two revolutions that were really starting to take birth at that point. The revolution that was really desired by the people was a, was a, a desire for a king or a savior that would rise up with wisdom and power and the ability to incite people and to encourage people to, to stand up for themselves and kick the Roman Empire out of the region. 
Now, many of us sometimes feel like that politically as well. We feel like the wrong person is in political office. And we've got to try and get them out. We've got to try and kick them out of this. And of course, they wanted someone. In fact, they even tried this with Jesus. They tried to make him their king. They tried to say, you're the guy who's smart enough and wise enough, and we want you to lead us all to try and kick these Romans out of here. And they called them the zealots. But the other revolution that was going on was the revolution that Jesus was trying to create. And it was the revolution to change this world, but not through the means of rebellion, not through the means of killing the Romans and kicking them out, but through the means of Jesus dying on the cross. This is why we're all here in church today, because we have subscribed ourselves and signed up for this revolution of Jesus Christ. Is that right? But up to this point, Jesus knew that his disciples were following a good man. Many of them were looking to Jesus because they knew he had words they'd never heard before. He was doing things that they had never seen before. And you know that Peter was following a good man. There was something inside of Peter that wanted to change the world. He was kind of a gruff type of fellow. He's a fisherman, and he wanted to see the world change. And heck, he wanted to get these Romans kicked out of our land. This is our land. This is God's land. And he wanted someone to to stand up and say, we're going to change. We're going to do something. We're going to conquer the world, and we're going to bring the ways of God through the Jewish people into this land. This is the context that we're reading the story in. And what I want to do is, I want to look at two things, two specific things in this conversation that really come to the surface, and it's this. It's the ways and the will. Let me put it this way. The will of God and the ways of mankind. The will of God and the ways of mankind. So let me, let me look at the scriptures piece by piece here. Verse 17, when Peter had said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but, my, but by my Father in heaven. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. What Jesus was saying was, you now understand that there is something beyond this world. If you remember a few weeks ago, um, I was speaking and we were talking about the wrestling in the supernatural. And we took it from Ephesians 6 where, where Paul says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against powers and principalities. And what Jesus was saying to Peter right now, you finally get it. This is not a physical revolution. This is a spiritual revolution. This is a revolution in the spirit. This is a revolution in the heart. You need to go behind what's going on in this world. You need to look behind the situations and the difficulties and the challenges that you have in your life and ask, what's going on behind that veil? What's going on that we cannot see? Then he goes on, he says this, and I tell you that you are Peter. He changes his name from Simon, that means a reed that just gets easily blown in the wind. And he said, you are Peter, a rock, and on this rock I will build my church. On this revelation I will build my church. On the revelation that there is something behind everything that you see. Now why would Jesus want to build upon that revelation? I'll tell you why. Because he needs to know that he can trust that you're seeing the right things. That you're acting in the right way. 
If you have a desire to create a revolution in your life and tell this person what to do, tell your boss what, what you think of him, put him in his place. If you think that you're going to control this country and tell them what you think, uh, what, your, what your opinions are about politics or what your opinions are about this, and you think you're going to change the world, what I found is it's like trying to tell another man's dog what to do. He doesn't listen to your voice. And this is the problem. And sometimes we get into battles of he said, she said, or this or that, only to discover that there is no way you're going to win this conversation. There's no way you're going to argue this. And finally, Peter said, I'm ready to see that you're God and you're in charge and you've got a bigger plan going on. And whatever the heck is going on in this country makes no difference to me. It's all about what you want to do. And that, at that point, Jesus said, on that, I can build a church. On that, I can trust you with the blessing that I want to give to you. And just as he was looking over his shoulder, you can imagine that Jesus could see this cave of, of uh, Caesarea Philippi, the, the gate of hell. And he said, and you know what? The gates of hell will not prevail against you. Whatever happens in this world, it will not kill what I'm about to build in your life. Thanks be to God. Then he moves on. He says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Think about this. Why would Jesus want to give us the keys to change earth when it would actually affect heaven? What if we mess up here on earth? He doesn't want you having the power to change earth and then screw up whatever is happening in heaven. No thanks. What he wants to do is find Christians that he can trust with true keys of the kingdom of God that will affect earth and affect heaven. He wants us to be able to have the power to change things in this world. And he said he's gonna give you the keys, keys that are not necessarily something that you understand or that you can necessarily see or you can take a hold of, but keys that are secret keys in the spiritual world. Now I realize I'm talking in a very cryptic type of manner. And the question we have is, what are these keys? How do I get these keys? Listen, there's only one way we're ever going to be able to have these keys, and that is when we put Christ in his right place in our lives, when we put Christ in the right place in this world and not think that we're going to revolutionize this world and somehow we're gonna fix the world and we're gonna tell people what to do and we're suddenly gonna convince them that we're right and they're wrong. It doesn't work that way. If anything, Jesus didn't become the right in this situation. If anything, he became the wrong. Think about it. No, Jesus was right. No, he became the wrong. He became sin for us. He became the person that died on the cross and became the wrong for us. He didn't demand that he had to be right and we had to prove that we were wrong. He decided he was gonna put himself in our place. Are you following me? That's how he connected earth to heaven. That's how he connected us back to the Father, by taking the position of saying, I refuse to be right, but I will allow God to be entirely in control of everything that's going on. Then he moves on to the next conversation that says this. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. So I'm laughing because my, my nephew um, uh, was watching a cartoon once and he was watching the cartoon. On the cartoon, the guy went, never. And then his mother said, put your shoes on, Caius. And he went, never. So every time I read the word never, I just hear Caius shouting, never. 
start, right? Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, never. This shall never happen to you. What just happened here? I'll tell you what happened. Peter was all about the will of God, but he didn't want the way of God. He wanted God's will. He wanted, what's God's will? God's will for you is that you should be blessed. God's will for you is that you shall prosper, is what the Bible says. God's will for you is that you will be a blessing to nations, that you'll be a blessing to your neighbor. But the problem is, is what we do is we want that will, but we want it in our way. Jesus is showing the key of the kingdom to Peter, but Peter is rejecting it by saying, no, we can't do it this way. Now, here's what I find fascinating, right? Jesus replied, and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Listen, I tried this once with my wife. She disagreed with me, and I told her she was wrong, and I said, get behind me, Satan. And I'll tell you, Satan has a right hand. Have you ever tried that before? Can you imagine saying, get behind me, Satan, to your best friend? Can you imagine saying those types of words? I don't know if you go about doing that, you know, telling people all the time, get behind me, Satan. Some of you might want to say it to your children sometimes because it seems like they act like Satan, right? But, but imagine saying this. What was Jesus doing here? Jesus was having a conversation in a different dimension. He was in a conversation where he was looking behind the veil and speaking to that other dimension. Why? because he saw there was a stumbling block before him. He saw that someone wanted the will of God, but not the way of God. The interesting word with a stumbling block is that why would Jesus use the word stumbling block? The only people that I know that use the word stumbling block is really Christians because it comes from the Bible. This is not a common thing that we use in our our vernacular or in our, our conversations every day. But the reason why Jesus used the word stumbling block is because it was in the law of God in the Old Testament. And it goes like this, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 14, it says, do not put a stumbling block in front of the blind. Now, that would seem like an obvious obvious thing to not do in life, right? There's a blind guy, let's put a big stone in front of him, and then he'll laugh, right? But remember, every physical law, every physical uh, thing that we see in this world, there is a spiritual reason behind it. That's what we believe as Christians. And so Jesus said this, Do not put a stumbling block in front of me. Do not put a stumbling block in front of the blind. Stumbling block means this. It means offense. It comes from the word scandalon. In fact, Jesus said, do not put a scandal in front of me. Do not put an offense in front of me to make me trip up. Stumbling block is where an offense comes. When you have an offense, you start to get angry about things. You You get upset about things. Another way of saying it is that a stumbling block is actually just a distraction that blinds you from what's, going really, what's really going on in, this, in the spiritual world. You see, what can happen is you can be at your job and you can be in an argument with your boss or you can be in an argument with your wife or you can be in an argument even with God and you can start be having problems in your life where your money's not matching up, you can't pay your bills, your marriage is not going the way that you want it to, your, your, your vocation is not flying like it should do. All the things that you desire in life are not coming to pass the way that you want it to and the problem is, is what we do is we say, why is this not working? You know what I need to do? Maybe I'll do is I'll go over to God and I'll start praying to God and I'll ask him what I should do about this. And what we do is we start telling God, no, 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 what we need to do is we need to get your will a blessing and put it into my life over here. 
And so let me, let me give you some example here, right? So I've got my, I've got my, my keys right here. Let's say my keys represent uh, my, my household. They, they're, they're, they're the keys to, to my kingdom. They're the keys to my household. And that's here on earth. And then I've got some money here, and that represents my job. That represents the type of income that I have, my bank account that's going on. And I've got some other stuff in my wallet here. Now I've got my health. There's my health care plan. That's my way, my plan of looking after my kingdom and my health. And then, of course, I've got my credit card here, which represents my debt. The debt, the things that I owe to other people, that's part of my life as well. And what I do is I decide that I want God, I want you to bless me. I want your blessing, all the blessing that is in heaven. I want it to come upon all my stuff here on earth. But the problem is, is when this doesn't go according to my plan, then I now have a problem. Wait, God, I thought you said your will was for me to be blessed, but it doesn't look like I'm blessed. It doesn't look like things are happening the way that it should be. And this is where Jesus was speaking to Peter and he said, listen, you need to stop with this stuff. You need to stop with your plans and your ways on how you're gonna do things. Well, Jesus, what do I do about this? How do I take all this, all your blessing and put blessing onto my stuff? How do I do this? This is what Jesus' answer was. He gave him an answer later on. He said this. He said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must, what does that word say? Deny themselves Take up their cross and follow me. Now you see, in old days, and even sometimes even now, they, you'll, even, you'll get people who have decided to commit themselves to Christ and they've decided to deny themselves. And the way that they deny themselves is they give up everything that's in the world. What I'll do is I'll just decide that the world doesn't exist anymore and I'll only live in this limbo between earth and heaven and I'll try and serve God without having anything in my life. So they'll deny having any ownership of anything. They don't want to have any spouses, no families. They don't have any cars. They have no businesses. They have no ownership. They become monks. They separate themselves from the world. But I don't think that's the way that God has called us to be. I believe that God has given you things in your life for a reason, for a purpose. He's given you businesses in order to raise your family. He's given you families because he wants to see his family become bigger. He's, he's given you income. He's given you skills. He's given you connections. He's given you bosses for a reason. So how do I connect heaven to earth? Let me show you. It's really easy. I need to deny myself of ownership. I need to decide that I own nothing. So what I do is I take my money and say, this doesn't belong to me anymore. This belongs to God. I take my debt and I say, God, I am in debt. Maybe I'm the, I'm the reason and I'm the problem of why I'm in debt, but I need to decide to give this to you. It doesn't belong to me anymore. It doesn't mean you run away from it and say, I'll have nothing to do with it. No, 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 no. This is a change of ownership. I'm gonna take my health, the problems that I've got with my body. I'm gonna stop complaining about how your blessing is not in my life and it's not my way. I'm gonna start giving it back to you and say, it doesn't belong to me. You can do what you want with my health. You can do what you want with my body. I've got the keys of my kingdom, my house, my house, my family don't belong to me. They belong to you, God, and you tell me what to do. So what I do is I come into the presence of God and say, what do you want me to do today? Peter, I want you to do something about your health today. I want you to start exercising, or I want you to start looking after other people and take your health into the world and start doing something good with it. And when it doesn't go my way, guess what happens? When things start falling apart on this, I take it way back to God and say, it's not mine, it's yours. It doesn't belong to me. 
My business doesn't belong to me. My family doesn't belong to me. My income doesn't belong to me. My cars don't belong to me. My future doesn't belong to me. All the things you think that you are owed, all the things that you think that other people have affected you on and have caused you problems and have offended you, and now you're getting angry and bitter about it, you need to decide, stop, enough is enough. I'm not gonna get distracted by this world. I'm not gonna get distracted by the problems I have. I'm gonna take everything I own and put it into the presence of God and they just listen to what he tells me to do. Can I hear an amen? amen? Listen, this is the day when you can decide that you can stop with the distractions. You see, most of you have had a revelation of who Jesus is. You know that he is the, the Christ, the son of the living God. But still, we seem to straddle this world with God's world. We're still trying to figure out God's will in my world. Get rid of it. Your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Look at this. <clears throat> Jesus taught his disciples this, and he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom is God's ways. Listen, the kingdom of God is made up of an economic system. It also has its own healthcare system. It has its own governmental system. It even has its own army made up of angels. The kingdom of God has its own social care system. The kingdom of God has its own way of looking after families. The kingdom of God operates completely differently than all the things that we're trying to control in our life. If we could take them and put them into the kingdom of God, once they are in the kingdom of God, now they come through me in this world. You follow me? Your ways, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Those two things must connect in order to have any use here on earth. And then he goes on, he says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from, what does that word say? The evil one. Most of us say, and deliver us from evil. If the enemy has done anything smart enough, what he has done is he's convinced us that we are battling just bad habits, that we're battling just human choices, flesh and blood, that we're just battling stuff that is out there. The reason why Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, is because he was speaking in a different dimension. And I want you to understand that whatever challenge you're going through, whatever difficulty you're going through, you've got to stop with the distractions. You have got to stop with the anger and the offense that you feel that that person hasn't done their job and they've done some injustice towards me. You've got to stop with that and stop and take a step back and say, Father, what are you doing here? What are you trying to prove? because this is not my job, this is not my neighborhood, this is not my family, it belongs to you. What are you doing here? Let me tell you, imagine what secrets of the keys of the kingdom of God, God will reveal to you if you take a step back and say, Father, you're in charge. This doesn't belong to me. This is why Jesus said to Peter, I'm gonna build more stuff on you. I'm gonna build all my community, my church, I'm gonna put it upon you. I'm not gonna put it on anyone else. It's on you because I can trust you. God's looking for someone he can trust. Can he trust you? Or are you still complaining? Or are you still being distracted? Are you still being deceived about what your real problems are in this life? And Jesus is going, I don't know what you're talking about because all that stuff belongs to me and I decide what happens in your life. 
Who's in charge? Is it you or is it me? If I back up, actually, there's a point where, uh, uh, and I can't remember how he says it, but Jesus said to the devil, he said, you don't have the things of God in mind. You have the things of man in mind. So I used to think that the devil had a job to try and make his will come to pass. The devil doesn't want his will to come to pass. He wants your will to come to pass. He doesn't need to do that much work to try and destroy this world. All he needs to do is try and make you think that you've got the blessing of God, but do it your own flipping way. And he'll take his hands off and goes, "Mm." all I do is I try and get these humans to do what they want. This whole conversation is about your will. One of the things that I've found when I'm speaking with people who are going through difficult times, who are even maybe struggling with some demonic things in their life, there is one thing that demons have never been able to control in a human's life. Do you know what it is? Your will. A person always knows how to choose what's right, but they choose not to. Pride, arrogance, anger, rebellion, bitterness, desire to prove someone else is wrong is what keeps you in a job you shouldn't be in is what keeps you fighting against people you shouldn't be fighting against, is what makes you lose money, time, relationships, friendships, and even your own life, simply because you have to be right. God's not gonna reveal your secrets. He's not gonna show you the right way until we can be broke enough to say that you are Lord of Lords, you are King of Kings, and everything I own belongs to you, so I'm not gonna tell you what to do with it, you're gonna tell me what to do with it. You follow me? This is a very simple principle. And I'm gonna tell you, at the end of this series about the supernatural, I want you to understand, if you don't get this whole thing of your will, you will never understand the spiritual realm. You don't have to have super amazing information of what's happening in the spiritual realm. You just have to know that you don't belong to you anymore. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, the things that God is asking you to do and you start reacting whether I can or should do them, let me tell you, the only problem that God has got with you is your will. Everything that God is calling you to do or needs you to do, he will back up with his power. He will back up with his kingdom. All the money that you need, all the family support, all the health care, all the, all the power that you need in your life, he will back it up with the kingdom of God. What is he calling you to do? There's a whole economy that is ready to support you in the kingdom of God. There is a whole army that is ready to support you from the kingdom of God. What is God calling you to do? Can you hear me, people? What is he calling you to do? Father, we want to take this time now. We want to gather in everything that has just been said. We want to be like Jesus where he ended up. He ended up in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he finished with this conversation, he turned towards Jerusalem. He turned towards the cross. He knew fine well he was going towards the very thing that was uncomfortable for him. But he knew fine well this was the thing that was gonna break everything in the spiritual realm. This was the thing that was gonna create the real revolution. And as he turned towards that father, he was allowing his will to be under yours. And he gets to the garden and he says, Father, I don't want to do this. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus was honest enough to say what he didn't want to do and yet ended up saying, but not my will, but yours be done. Not my way, but Yahweh. 
Father, I pray that every person that is here this morning, that you would bring to mind whatever it is that has been a distraction for them this week. Maybe it's busyness. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's you can't buy the things you want to buy. You can't do the things you want to do. You're going towards Christmas and it's not really a time that you really enjoy. You're going towards a time in your life that you're not looking forward to. I ask, Father, that you would bring it to their mind so they can now be repentive of it. And they can say, Father, I'm sorry for worrying about that thing. I'm sorry for trying to take control and trying to figure out how I can make it go the way that I want it to. And Father, through that forgiveness, we are now catapulted back into the presence of God. We bring everything we own into your ownership. It's not my problem. It's not my ownership. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to you. I'm just your subject. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. And Lord, I pray that as we are revealing these things to us, you would give us a peace in our hearts that we're not looking for solutions to fix everything. We're looking for your will and your way. And we pray that you would give us peace in our hearts to trust that you are in charge of everything. You know what you're doing. It all belongs to you. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.